You're listening to a DM podcast. Hello, welcome back to Beyond the Likes. Um, I have the wonderful Jen Muir. If you listen to the original podcast that may have gone out last week, you'll know that um, this is just a continuation on from the one that you uh, listened to because we love to chat. Yes. Thank you for joining us yet again. I'm so happy to uh, still be here. Uh, <laughs> We're going to get Jen on as a regular because she's just a wealth of knowledge. I mean, I haven't even discussed that with you, but um, we can chat later. Yeah. But we are going to answer some of the, the listeners' question. questions because <sighs> the mums need help. <laughs> I mean, the mums always need help. I could just ply you with my own questions, but I can kind of resonate with a few that have been sent in. So okay. I will start by asking you some Go. questions that have been sent in. Let's do it. And I can kind of put my spin on how this is. Um, so you're just going to pick the questions that you want answered personally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are a few in there, but I feel like, listen, a lot of them were to do with three-year-olds, but yeah. I also picked out some I picked out some ones that I think that um, may be interesting that you haven't answered previously. Okay, cool. Um, so... First question. Go. What is your opinion on having a strict routine versus a relaxed routine when it comes to newborns? Wow. Is okay. That, is that a good one? Yeah, or? that's a good question. So I think that the biggest thing you need to consider when yep. you're dealing with any child yep. is that there is no baby like yours. Yes. And I know, I mean, it, this person's going to hate this answer, but <laughs> there is no baby like yours on the planet. There is no you like you and there is no relationship like yours and your baby. Yeah. So there's no one lot of advice. There's no one manual that yeah. is going to work for your baby. And I know this is so frustrating to hear, but it is the honest truth. Yeah. So when I had my first baby, yeah. we spent, we did a lot of routining of that child, right? Yeah. From what, birth? Well, no. From birth, I was trying to just, we were like rocking and patting and pacing around. Like we're just trying to settle this baby. And one day my husband just said, you know what I think? This baby just wants to be put down. And I was like, well, just try it. So he put him down. We sort of turned away. We sort of did very little. And he just stared at the side of the cot. I thought he was having a seizure. He wasn't. He put himself to sleep. What I now know about that human, he's 13. He's the most extroverted person you have ever met and he never fell asleep in my arms, okay? Oh, wow. So he did go well for a bit of a routine. He did go well with putting, being put in his own space and given kind of a bit of a hands-off approach to yes. sleep. My third baby came along and if I didn't give him enough one-on-one just near my heart to <laughs> settle him, he didn't go to sleep and I yeah. had to get into him sooner. I didn't like let him cry for even a second because if I could get in sooner and just reassure him that I was there, he went better. And that's the beauty of having had four. And so yeah. what I would say to this mum is I know it's hard but yep. sort of start to take your time. So for the first 12 weeks, you don't need routine at yeah. all, okay? So they don't – They do you know what? We now know that a baby cannot learn a rhythm or a routine or yes. a habit, good or bad, in the first 12 weeks. So it doesn't matter what you do. Yes. So you don't have to worry about making any mistakes in the first 12 weeks. Yep. From there, we need to look at who you are. If you need a little bit of rhythm to know that your baby will go to bed at some point during the day or to know that you can rely on a 7 p.m. bedtime – we can build that in mm -hmm. with some practice and guidance and you can do that and you can do it in a way that's connected. But you don't have to rush at it and you can trust that you're not stuffing anything up. I think we worry so much about the rod for our own back. Yeah. 
And you know what we now know, like any problem you come across with a kid, like I had a kid that was addicted to not just one but 30 dummies and we worked it out. Like He needed all 30. He was like Edward Dummy Hands. He'd stroke, he'd have three in his mouth and he'd be stroking three down his face oh to self-soothe. You know, and look, you work it out. You yeah. can work it out. So, yeah, I'd say to this mum, don't stress in the first 12 weeks at all. Yeah. But then trust that it's okay because – what we don't take into account with any blanket advice on never sleep train or only co-sleep or any of that stuff is like, who is your baby and who are you? We need to take the time to mm. work that out. And I would say, don't be afraid to put your hand up and ask for some help. There's so many great places to go for help. Yeah. And if you want help with sleep, like DM me, I'll tell you where to go. Yeah. I remember my mum saying to me, when whenever I have little newborns, she'd be like, put your baby down. And I was like, no, yeah. you go away. I, in the first 12 weeks, I smother oh and gosh. love on those babies. No. I mean, I do it throughout their lives. Same. But like I... You can't do it enough. You can't do it enough. And I've always said to girlfriends, like those, f- the first three months, like, Babies basically sleep, right? And they sleep, well, I don't know. I know some people have, you know, harder babies that For cry sure. a lot and sure. that must be really hard. But, like, I just say enjoy the first couple of weeks and let them sleep on your chest and 100%. cuddle them to you sleep can't, if you I just want to. wish all parents knew you can't get it wrong. Yeah. They, they literally don't have the ability to remember if you do. So, like, you know, you can't get it wrong. So you can absolutely like, – most parents are quite happy to cuddle. What they're worried about is what if we hold this baby too much and we break them. Yeah. And I would love them to know you can't – you no. cannot do that. And so, yeah, just enjoy them. Go with the flow. And it's so funny because everyone always says, oh, do you put your babies in routines? And I've never actually set out to put – any of my kids in routine, but from about four months, I, when they go through their kind of like first little mm. sleep regression, the only thing I ever did with all three of my kids is I watched their awake window, yeah. right? And from doing that, it almost – they fall into a routine. So you're looking at your baby and you're in relationship with your baby and you're kind of actually kind of looking – I mean, it's, it is cue reading. You're kind of – and you start to notice like sometimes a ba- you're thinking, what do you want? And then you look at your baby and you can just tell, oh, I think my baby's tired. I'm going to give yeah. them an opportunity to go to sleep. Yeah. So you do you do start to do that, but we certainly don't have to rush it. Okay, next question. Enjoy, yeah, enjoy the, <laughs> enjoy the first weeks. <laughs> cuddle them. Um, okay. This is a good one because I need to know the answer to this. How do you teach good sportsmanship, such as like managing emotions around winning and losing? Because my all three of my children are – well, my first two are fiercely competitive. Yeah. And when either of them lose, like even, I'm talking like a scissor paper rock off, right? Yep. If one of them loses, it's, it's meltdown city. So first of all – we're wanting too much of kids. Like we're wanting, we're putting kids in competitive environments. We're giving them exposure. Like we're going to play Uno or get, or get or Connect Four, and then we're kind of expecting them to be good losers. Yeah. Um, we're also expecting them, like for example, get really worried if they cheat. But all cheating is is a child going with that instinct where they don't have that impulse control yet. They don't have that. You know, we've talked about children don't have that prefrontal lobe that allows them to regulate emotions be good sportsmen, be good winners, be good losers and just regulate it when it doesn't go to plan. They don't have that yet. So they may look very unkind. They're not. So two things you can do. One, you've just got to model it. Be a good person and your kid will become a good person. It is as simple as that. So if you are being a good winner, if you are being a good loser, if you are eating all your dinner – 
<laughs> your kid will wait, grow up eventually and eat their dinner and be a good winner and a good loser. So, so much of it is modelling. It's who we are. Yeah. But the second thing you can do, and it's going to sound counterintuitive, be empathetic. So yeah. when they lose, if you treat them with kindness and compassion and you are kind and say it didn't go the way you wanted and you're so mad and you wish you won, you are helping bring your child's pre that that frontal lobe, that part of the brain that will help them be a good winner. Yep. You're bringing that online by being empathetic. We feel like it's the opposite, that we should say, you know, look at that other kid and be nicer and we feel like we should coach. But kids don't learn by being coached. They, they learn by feeling it, by stuffing it up, by having us be empathetic and saying, yep. I get why you're mad and I get why you didn't want to win. And, I, you know, and we, we find that so hard to do. But I wish I could, um, if I could stress nothing else, it's to trust the good kid is already in there. We don't have to do anything. Yeah. They're already there. And I just want to touch on that because I always have you at the forefront of my mind (laughs) because when I apply these techniques to my parenting with my kids, it makes such a difference. (laughs) But I keep you at my forefront because I know that I only have to do it 30% of the time (laughs) and the rest of the 70% I just like I I sometimes forget or, you know, it's a buildup of emotions from myself and, you know. For sure. And sometimes you're just like. I don't have the ability to co-regulate you over the fact you lost Connect Four with your brother. Like, you know, okay? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do that. And that's okay. But just trust that I think um, I posted something on my Instagram this week, but it was don't let yourself get so concerned with having a good kid that you forget you've already got one. Yeah. Oh, that's right? really nice. Yeah. Right? And it's I think we are so worried about turning out a completed human that will be a good winner and loser that we forget that it's in there. It just doesn't look like that yet. And and so if we can be really empathetic that our kid wants to be a good kid, yeah. they want to go well when they lose, they just yep. can't yet. And if we could support them with that and trust it's in there, that kindness that we're giving them in their most needy time, that will that will, that's who they'll become. Yeah. Hey! Four-year-old, I can relate to this, go. has always slept through the night. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, she is needing me to sit next to her in order to fall asleep. Why? Mm, Okay. So if I was working with this parent, um, I'd be asking some questions about what else has happened in this four-year-old's life. So I'm wondering if there's been changes. It could be there is a new sibling. It could be that a sibling has started walking. It could be that there's a change in daycare, school, pressure within the family. It could be that they've moved house. Okay. So first of all, kids will react to something happening in their life or a transition. They process transitions a bit like any change they process like a grief. And so that that child's seeking connection. Um, But then the second thing I'd be wondering, like if we look at that and there's no change and there's no reason, then I'd be like, okay, are we doing enough connection through the day? Mm. Um, Could we fill that emotional cup? So kids will seek us out any way they can. Maybe mum's gone or dad has gone back to full-time work or there's something that's changed and so the child is going, that's when that's happening and and a pattern got formed and they're seeking that connection at that time. So we want to look at all of that. Mm. And then ultimately I'm guessing by the question Mm. that, that maybe it's not working for um, the, the parents, yes, yeah, so right. It's, yep. it's not working. So the first question I ask, if we know where to know where at a boundary moment with our kids, whether yep. it's about sleep or anything else, I want to ask, is it working for you? Now, this mum might say, do you know what, actually, I'm wondering the question, but actually it's working okay, I don't mind it, and she falls asleep in four minutes. Okay, But yep. she might 
before I even get the question out, go, it is not working for me. (laughs) (laughs) And it ends in a meltdown every night and I want an answer. And then we know, okay, so this is now a boundary moment. And here is my very quick answer. We would prep the child that there's going to. So first of all, got to decide this is not working for me. And so therefore, as the parent, I get to decide what does and doesn't work for me. So it's not about controlling whether my child sleeps. It's about my decision around what I can and can't do. Because if you're sitting there wanting to be out of there, your child senses it and then they cling to you more. It doesn't work for anyone. So you've got to kind of get clear about that. Then we know we're in a boundary moment and what we want to do is prep our child. There's going to be a change. I know that I've been sitting on your bed, but it's not working for me anymore. And so now here's what's going to happen. We're going to have this routine. I'm going to read you two books, give you three kisses on the forehead, and this is going to be how it goes. And then I'm going to walk out and you may not love this. I get it. And it's okay that you don't love it, but this is still what's going to happen. Yep. Okay. And then you maybe do something to make that, if it's a young child like four, you might even play that out with their toys. So on the day before it happens, you might get out Teddy and get your child to practice being the mum and doing the routine because mm. that embeds it into our child's brain while they're feeling safe and secure and kind of not under the pressure of bedtime and not under the pressure of them tired and us tired. And so we've prepped that. You might even draw out a schedule and go, these are the three steps of bedtime and you're going to get to tick them off, okay? You're the boss of ticking them off. Mm. Kids love that stuff. When they feel really prepped that even though there's a change and even though they don't like it, they go a lot better. Then in the moment, it's going to be about setting your four steps, which is just regulate yourself and then just say, I hear you. You really wish I'd stay with you. But as we've talked about tonight, I'm going to give you those three kisses and I'm going to go. And I know you wish mummy would stay, but I know you've got this and I love you and I can't wait to see you in the morning. And do you, (laughs) I don't know why I just got emotional. Um, And do you think it's just a matter and, and once you do that, you have to be consistent? It's your mindset more than when we're setting boundaries as parents. Yeah. It's so your mindset. It's your ability to trust. I've got this. Yeah. I am the boss lady. Yeah. And like and I love you to the moon and back kid. Yeah. And yet I'm still not going to do everything that you want of me. Yes. Okay? Because that's a good relationship and that's mm. an honest relationship. And I think when we come in with the right mindset even around sleep, it often goes a bit better. Because we're being authentic. And our kids go, I don't really like it, but also you seem to kind of have it in hand. So, (laughs) all right, night. (laughs) I guess I'll listen. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I had a similar situation with Kobe. Obviously, we moved. I mean, there was so many disruptions to his life. We, We moved house. He stopped sharing a room with Bobby. He changed preschools. Like, he was... He got thrown so many curveballs. So it's um, no wonder he was ending up in our bed every night. But, yeah, I I mean, I – and then we went to Bali and he was in sleeping with me every single night just because of the bed configurations and whatnot. But it's funny every – And you do what works. And my caveat is I have a (laughs) six-year-old on a mattress next to my bed right now because he is seeking – like, and my um, my, – Eight-year-old went through the same stage, same age. Suddenly wanted to be in my bed, yeah. having not been in my bed. And I like. I'm and if you're okay, okay with it, I'm then okay it's... with it because this is my last child, and yes. I don't have a baby. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm soaking this up, and I'm yes. okay with it. My husband, less sorry, let me just yeah. say, <laughs> which is why there's a mattress because this child kicks us. All night all long. Night, yep. um, and so he's on a mattress because, um, yeah, my husband gets no sleep. I, I'm like, oh, I just love it because it's ending. But I wouldn't have loved that if I had a newborn next to me. So That's we've right. got to remember it's about what works for us yes. as parents more than anything else. So for this mum, it's about is it working for me or not? And if it's not, 
it's kinder to be clear and it's kinder to set your limit yeah. and welcome your toddlers. It's okay if they don't like it. That makes sense yeah. to want mummy with you. I get it. But also yeah. I'm backing you and I'm believing in you and I know you've got this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So how to manage different parenting styles when kids are, you know, acting up, yeah. attention-seeking tantrums, having big feels. I know we touched on this, um, <laughs> I think, last time. Like r- my husband is – very much the fun parent, like the horsey rides and stuff, <laughs> but he has zero patience mm. and he gets very yelly. He goes zero to 100, whereas I'm very mellow and mm. chill and I actually am guilty of this sometimes. You might slap me on the wrist here, but a lot of the times when Ryan is raising his voice, because it will upset my kids and it'll, they'll burst into tears, Yeah, I tend to have a go at him mm. in front of them. Oh, it's not easy. I'm not going to have a go at you for that. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I just, I'm like, don't. Don't yell at them like that. I get, and I don't, I don't know. I know you're meant to have a united front, right? Our kids get deregulated because they're kids. We get dysregulated. Your, your husband gets dysregulated. <gasps> Ryan dis- gets deregulated. He gets dysregulated. He's a toddler. Yeah, no, he's not. He's just... Okay, so let's go back to why he's getting dysregulated. Here's what we don't understand well enough is that when our kids throw throw out big emotions, yeah. right, or they're challenging something we value, maybe they're being rude and we just it's challenging our values because we're so worried about turning out a good kid, we get triggered. His brain goes into fight or flight. His brain goes into fight or flight because his parents' brains did the same thing because when he mucked up, there's no way they would have tolerated whatever. Or when he had a meltdown, he was probably told, go to your room, come back when you come. Most of us were, right? So he was taught in the first 11 months of life, we've already learned a lot of our feelings about feelings, Yeah. right? I know it's complicated, but hang with me. Okay. And so he's got this set idea that this is not a safe thing. When kids are mucking up or when they're showing big emotions, his brain is going, this isn't safe. I was taught this isn't safe. And this is happening at a subconscious level. He's not aware of this. Yeah. And so then he yells because he's gone into fight or flight. The, here's how you get on the same page. Like, here's the answer. You, you need connected parenting. No. <laughs> I, know. I know, we do. And you know what? After we had our session with you, we were so good. Yeah. So, so parents need three things. They need to know, firstly, that the developmental actual capacity of kids. When you understand you're not getting it wrong, toddlers are meant to melt down and kids are meant to fight. And once you know that's normal and you're not stuffing it up, you're not ruining them, that's a huge relief. You're kind of already feeling less triggered. Then parents need to look at, well, what? how am I reacting? What am I bringing to these situations? And you can only do that with a really good parenting coach or a psychologist or by doing circle of security, which we mentioned last time. Yes. They're the ways parents can do that or, you know, or, you know, coming to one of my webinars. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would do the job too. But Contact that, Jen Muir. Yeah. <laughs> so that is the work of parenting. And then we need to be compassionate that it is okay for him to be that slightly different parent. And we've got to trust that often we're both bringing really great things to the table. So yes, he's more shouty, but there are things he is bringing to the table. He's probably really good at holding limits or he's probably good at that fun stuff. You are bringing empathy and kind of I don't know because I you know I've worked with you once but we don't I don't know intimately but I guarantee you that what you're bringing together because what we're trying to give kids is this balance of firm and kind firm and kind firm and kind and often we're not perfect at at being both of those at things balancing. at once yeah. and yet as a partnership 
we're bringing it. And what the evidence shows is it is that balance of slightly different parenting styles that, that is best for kids. Well, they, that was my, my parents was always good cop, bad cop. Yeah. My dad was always bad cop. My mum was always the good cop. And I think why Ryan flies off the handle, and I, I think a lot of women will resonate with this, and maybe they may play the part of Ryan, but Ryan, he gets infuriated because he's like, they don't listen to me. Yeah, It's blatant disrespect. Yeah. I've asked them three times to get in the shower. Yeah. And I, I keep trying to reiterate they are they are kids, they Ryan. They can't hear like, you. They don't you care need to, talk to have a shower, right? <laughs> and he was like, well, they don't listen to you. And I said, but you raising your voice, yeah, they're in the shower, but they're in the shower crying because you've <laughs> upset them, right? Like no one's winning in this situation. And he is like, I was like, what do you want the Von Trapp children? Like, in, I actually <laughs> yes, think he that does. he does. And I actually <laughs> think that our kids are pretty well-rounded kids like they've they're they've got good manners when you know they know how to behave they know how to treat other kids and they know how to be kind and they know how to you know what sometimes they don't eat all their dinner and sometimes they don't listen and sometimes you have to ask them a hundred times and sometimes they have tantrums but I I've acknowledged that that is just a lot of it is age appropriate and a lot of it is just them being kids but he really struggles with it yeah it's one of the biggest things um, parents come to me with is either getting on the same page particularly around boundaries with their Mm -hmm. partner and and then also getting on the same page with their parents or their in-laws so like having that other that other external view of like the generation above going well you would never have gotten away with that so how do we kind of parent in a way that feels authentically right given we know more a lot of mums know more than dads so you know yes they're often not always the primary carer um, in a a lot of young families, Mm -hmm. um, but not always. Um, So the primary carer knows more because they're just on the ground and they're kind of more in tune with that. And then also, you know, we put this pressure on men also to come home and fix it and solve it. And so they might come in and just they do snap because they're feeling like they've got to solve this, they've got to fix this. But that's – it's so hard for them. And I Mm. think – that also we need to give each other grace and empathy and and almost if your partner's flying off, you need to go instead of like you, you've got it wrong, you might be just like, are you okay? Oh, God, I, <laughs> that would be so hard for me to do. I just want to headbutt him. Because I can see you're really stressed. Like you're worried about turning the kids. Like lean into the underlying emotion. I know. And it's the same for our kids. Like the underlying emotion is I'm just worried we're stuffing this up and they're not grateful. Well, and I think the, the best thing about Ryan, and I'm not making this about me, but I obviously can relate very much to this question he does have the emotional side where he's like I'm worried that you know by me flying off the handle I am you know going to damage the kids or Mm. whatever and I was like I mean sure yeah I mean it's great (laughs) that you've got that self-reflecting moment and I think when we did do that session with you he took so much away from that and he was really fantastic for uh, it is hard it is definitely hard to in in moments where your kids are just blatantly not listening to you and they're just they're basically ignoring you like it's like you're talking to a brick wall yeah it is quite challenging it's just remembering that habit of getting back into the hang on why is my kid not listening to me yeah what is and it's it's always an emotion because them not listening is a behavior so there's always an underlying emotion so my kids not listening because yes they don't want to go to school today and we need to kind of we need to name it to tame it. So we need to acknowledge often what we're missing is they're showing us something, they're communicating something, and we're we're avoiding it because we avoid emotions. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, so anyway, you, you know, it, it's being very patient and compassionate with yourself, being reflective, like yeah. you don't have to get this right all the time, but, you know, you are going to fly off or you are going to collapse or you're going to fight and then you go away when calm and connected, not in the moment in front of the kids yeah. ideally and go, I don't think that went so well. Like I wonder how we could do it differently. It's not, it's not working for you if you're yelling. Like it's, yes. you know, what can I do to support you or how can we think about it differently? Yes. It's really hard if you're the better read partner and you've got someone that's unwilling. Like you've got a partner that was willing to come to a parenting session, yes. which is amazing. Yes. And I think there's lots of people that their partner just wouldn't. And he's definitely going to listen to this podcast. Yes. <laughs> just to reiterate like the chat that we had. And we're not shaming you at all. But I do think. Gosh, it, no shame. Never any shame. But it's no. it's good because I always say to him, our children are just being kids, Ryan. But it mm. uh, it's it's because it's coming from his wife. He can just go in one ear and out the other. But sometimes my, my husband like. He'll like he'll kind of under the pressure of a moment. He'll say to one of our kids, you know, if you don't stop doing that, you're going to go to your room. And then like, and then I will like, I'll I'll be there going, we don't do that. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then he will look at me and he will go, he'll look at me, he'll look back to the kid and go, apparently we don't do that. And then he'll look at me and go, what do we do again? <laughs> and I'll be like, we name the emotion, we set the limit with our relationship, but we stay with the child. And and he'll be like, he will often go, it's so good being married to a parent. It's better. <laughs> I would like so, to be married to you. <laughs> we, he can laugh about it, but like, I mean, you can imagine there's times where he is just like. He's just, yeah. If, oh, like, patience has been crying out loud. Okay, what do we need to do, Jen? Tell me tell me more. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. Okay. Um, toilet training. Yes. It's gone backwards. Favourite topic, yes. It's, oh, is it? We yeah. were doing so, so good and now we've gone completely backwards and how do I not get upset and beyond yes. frustrated okay. by it? I wish I knew if this was a boy or a girl, but I reckon it's a boy. Um, okay, so here's the thing you need to know about toilet training. Yep, I can relate to this as well. Okay, yep. toilet training is a really big one and I want to urge people, like, you've go slow, right? You want to really make sure your child is ready in, in an emotional readiness, a physical readiness, an awareness of when to go, and we can sort of mistime it. But toilet training can suddenly go backwards because, again, something has happened in that child's life. It could be a change in the family relationships like a sibling has come along is a really common one or a stretch in daycare or a stretch in development. So now we've got a child that's going backwards because behaviour is communication, right? And so sometimes what happens when kids don't feel safe or their world feels a bit unsafe is that something that felt so safe, so going to the toilet in a nappy felt really safe for a long time and now we're asking them to do something that really requires them to really back themselves. Doing a poo particularly is a biological process. Mm -hmm. It requires us to feel safe. Not you. You can go in front of anyone. I already know. <laughs> Quite literally, yep. <laughs> Me? <laughs> if I go away with friends, oh, I just do you, not poo. <laughs> are you one of those people that will only poo on their, in their own home? <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, my God. I could poo at a service station. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So some of us are more sensitive. Yes. Okay. And so you've got these sensitive and often they're little boys, I've got to say, but they're more sensitive and they just can't do it. And so what we need to do, so I get this mum's question was how do I not get so upset? So she's already aware. That she knows what to do and I want her to lean into that instinct. Yeah. She knows what to do. She needs to focus on safety above all 
all else, connection, safety. She's got to back her kid. He's going to work it out, he or she. They're going to work it out and you almost want to go, I know it can be scary sometimes or it feels a bit different going to the toilet or you didn't get it this time, but I know you're going to get this because trust me, they will. Like they're not going to be 21 and pooing in a nappy, (laughs) right? They're going to work it out and it's so frustrating but the the path to success is to stop stressing, stop pressure, like don't push the river. It flows by itself, you know, like it's like we have to get out of the way and back our child because, again, sleep, toileting and eating, right, these are biological things. We can't do them if we don't feel safe. So we can't push. There are other things you can just put your kid's shoes on, right? You can do that. You can yep. put your kid's seatbelt on. We can just force that, right? Yep. But you cannot force a poo. I can so wholeheartedly relate to this because when Bobby started toilet training, the first three weeks, absolutely nailed it. Poos, wheeze, everything. Yeah. And then I don't actually know what happened because we already had Kobe and he almost every single day he would poo in his undies, yeah. right? So sometimes it can literally be that they got a little bit constipated and they did one poo that hurt a bit. Yes. And and so it can be something that literally they they can't even articulate. Yeah. But a little fear happened or they, they did miss it once and then they got so scared of disappointing you and missing it again <sighs> and then they build it up, right? And so it's all about backing them and the safer they feel and the more connected. So it is all about connection and just trust, like just like – don't worry, don't sweat it. I know you've got it. And then we're moving them slowly towards that goalpost. So we're backing that they've got it, but you might say, okay, that's fine. Let's put on the nappy, but we're going to poo in the bathroom. And then we're going to get closer to the toilet. And and we just move closer, but always trusting. And I just couldn't stress it anymore. And there's all kinds of physical problems that can come on if we don't. uh, (laughs) The only option is trust. Yeah. (laughs) Because otherwise they get uh, yeah they get constipated uh, and yep. they hold their poo and it's oh, a whole nightmare. It is hands down my least favorite part of parenting. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I've, like I speak about this one because I've lived it. So and it's you've a got tough one. all boys. Yeah. I feel like again having Charlie first set me up for failure because yeah. she was done and dusted in three yeah. weeks. No, no accidents. No nothing. Yeah. And then the boys have come along and it is like Bobby was. I mean, he has a few, you know, he's on iron supplements, so there is a little bit of a constipation issue there. But for two years, and I would put him on the toilet, we would throw poo parties. (laughs) I've downloaded the app, Poo Goes to Poo Land. We had a poo rewards chart. We did every single thing imaginable. And I would sit him on the toilet. I would sit with him and chat and be like, you've got this, buddy, and rah, rah. And he would say, no, no, no. And then he would get off and go and do it in his undies. And in a way, like all of that is so beautiful and it's so connected, but what he needed to know was that it's okay. You're okay as you are. Poo in the nappy. It's totally fine. Almost if you take your foot off the accelerator. I know. And I feel like I made things worse because Because you were so – but you don't know. And I've – like I've lived this. You did four boys. I I take my hat off to you. Um, All right. Tips for when toddlers play one parent against each other. Okay. So first of all, super normal developmental stage. Children are meant to do this. It's called splitting. So they prefer one parent and Ah. it's developmental. It's how they exert their right to make a choice. So absolutely fine. Again, it's – only a problem if it's not working for you. So if you're thinking that child's requesting one parent or saying, oh, if that parent says no, I'll go to that parent, you've got to look at getting on the same page, deciding as a team this isn't working for us. Then it's the rejected parent. So if a child is rejecting one parent saying, only mummy can do this for me, then dad has to come in and say to the child, like setting a boundary always. So first of all, super uh, offensive that you're rejecting me. Okay, (laughs) so but I've got this. And then you go in and you acknowledge the feeling first. So you're like, 
I know you really wish it was mum and this is so hard. Yeah. Tonight it is daddy that's going to be getting you dressed, arms up, or do you want to hold this or hold that? Doing that with confidence, calmness, and trusting you've got this. Yeah. Then allowing if you're like, you know, chances are your kid is going to be like, oh, my mummy. And you're like, I know you really wish it was mum. It is me doing it tonight. So firm, kind, firm, kind, and dad has to, or the rejected parent has to step into that, set the boundary. If we've got a kid that is playing off parents, like going, if I get a no from mum, I go to dad, then those parents have to kind of, again, get ahead of that and kind of go, okay, how are we going to make a plan so that we're kind of on one page about what the core rules are. And maybe there's too many rules or maybe the parents aren't agreeing and the kid's picking up on that. So core rules don't have too many rules. Literally no hitting, no hurting, no name call and, you know, whatever, whatever else you want. But have really kind of core rules and parents know exactly what the family stance is on that Yep. and kind of on the rest maybe just make a call and, yeah. It's like when Charlie goes and asks um, Ryan, can she have an ice block? And he says no. And then I'm upstairs and I'm like, yeah, no worries. (laughs) And he's like, did you say yes? And I was like, yeah, did you say no? So maybe you've got to go, um, have you already asked Dad? Yeah, I know. I, I do that now. <laughs> now I've caught it on to Charlie. She's very qu- quick. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, I, again, there was like five more questions that I didn't even get I think there is a series through. in this. Yeah, I think so too. Um, we can chat after this, but we have to uh, evacuate the podcast room we now. <laughs> We've been kicked out. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank again, you. Again, and um, hopefully we get you back on soon. Yep. Thank all you, right. Amy. Love you all. Thank you. Bye. Mwah.